Welcome to the Radically Personal Podcast, where the people behind the most beloved brands share how they put the customer at the heart of everything they do. On today's episode, I sit down with Jeff Newman, who leads customer care for Porsche Cars of North America. Jeff and I talk about the challenges to supporting a brand that has such a passionate customer base. Really, the, the customer experience kind of belongs in everybody's hands. And ultimately, that, that goal of creating the legendary experience that goes along with the legendary vehicle. And we find out what exactly Porsche's customer service battle cry is all about. There's either something going on with your relationship with your dealer or there's something going on with your relationship with the brand. And my team's job is to make that right. And finally, we learn how improv comedy can prepare you for a career in customer service. That improv comedy mindset really is a leader. It gives you that ability to think quickly, to think on your feet, but I can also add a lot of levity into certain situations. And I think that that tends to help out people, especially in tense situations. This is Radically Personal. Radically Personal with Jeff Newman from Porsche. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Glad Absolutely. to be here. Um, why don't we start a little bit? I'd love to, like, maybe you can share your story. Okay. Like, what's Jeff's story? How long do you have on this uh, podcast? <laughs> I was going to say, you'll have to read the book someday. Um, We're going to get to the book. <laughs> okay. That, that is definitely going to come up today. <laughs> um, grew up half my childhood in Brooklyn, um, the other half in Rochester, New York. Um, and uh, very shortly after, I got married very young. Shortly thereafter, I went into the telecommunications field. Uh, spent 18 years uh, in wireless and wireline business. Uh, from there, I went to go work for American Express Travel. And from there, I was courted by Porsche Cars North America. And currently, uh, I'm the manager of the customer care team. And so I oversee all the inbound support, not for the financial services group. That's great. So you did skip over a little something. What was that? Which was your stint as a stand-up comic. Okay. So can you explain how that training from being a stand-up comic, has, what, what, what did you learn from that? Okay. Role for today. So that actually started. I was um, I was sort of a guinea pig in Rochester, New York at that time. Uh, at 17 years old, uh, I was allowed to go to junior college full time for my senior year of high school. And while I was there, uh, among other things that I did, uh, including being a DJ at the radio station, um, they were having a funniest person at the college contest, and everybody told me I needed to go audition and try out for that, and uh, I won that which then gave me the ability to enter and be a finalist in the uh, Rochester's Funniest Person in Rochester contest. And how'd you do? Well, I'm here today uh, working at Porsche Cars North America, <laughs> loving this job. So how does, how does that personality or that persona of a stand-up, comedy, uh, stand-up comic help me? Um, I think it, it makes me brave. It's interesting. I can never and never will be able to identify with people that would rather die than talk publicly. It's so unnatural for me to understand how that would feel. Uh, what we didn't mention before is not only was I doing stand-up, I was actually doing improv comedy, so both. And between the two, I actually enjoyed, I actually enjoyed doing improv more than stand-up. With stand-up, I knew or hoped right. when people were going to laugh. Yeah, you, had prep, you had so much more prep. Right? Correct. You just you knew what you were going to say. Correct. And with improv, I didn't know what I was going to say or do a half a second ago. And so to get a rip-roaring, out-of-control laugh from that was so much more gratifying for me yeah. than from stand-up. So thinking on your feet. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's great. exactly where I was going. I think the, you know, that improv comedy mindset 
really as a leader, it gives you that ability to think quickly, to think on your feet, but I can also add a lot of levity into certain situations. And I think that that tends to help out people, especially in tense situations. Right. Um, I probably can be, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, people would say maybe I, ha- I bring too much fun to the environment and I'm not serious enough, but I think I've done okay and it, it's too late to change me. Let's talk about Porsche. Sure. Let's start like talking about like how you think about embodying what the Porsche experience means. Sure. A- and then what I want to do is obviously tie that to customer experience. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think for us, we think about you know the customer experience is, is everybody's responsibility, right? So if you look at Porsche and what we do, we're a lot of different businesses, and as we are purely just an importer. The role that we play at Porsche Cars North America is we don't sell directly to consumers the vehicles. We sell the vehicles to dealerships, a franchise model, um, who then goes ahead and they have to sell it to customers and they support the customers. You know, you go back to what I do for a living and I represent the brand, the manufacturer, but most customers, if you ask them if they're having a problem with their vehicle or if they think about needing service, they don't think of my group, right? They think of that dealership model. So really the, the customer experience kind of belongs in everybody's hands. Uh, I personally believe, and that also happens from everyone that doesn't even talk to the customer, right? Your own internal customers is part of is responsibility right. as well. And it's our, you know, it's absolutely our job and our duty to support our dealers with any way possible as far in regards to programs and processes and policies, resources and whatnot to help them to be successful. And ultimately that, that goal of creating the legendary experience that goes along with the legendary vehicle. Coming here, you know, when I walk in, like there's obviously an experience. I mean, to the point where I, I was here once and I remember being in the lobby and I don't remember if it was a GT3 or a 911 and they were lifting the car up and I thought they were going to take it away. And all they did was turn one of the wheels about 30 degrees. Right. And they put the car down and I said, what did you just do? Are you just rotating it so that the tires don't get out? He's like, no, 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 no. The Porsche logo needs to be straight up and down. And I was like this crazy like attention to detail moment that I saw. How do you how do you embody how do you how do you teach and ingrain that Porsche experience mindset in all the different folks that help deliver customer experience? It's a great question, Joseph. I think that, one, I think a lot of people come here and there is a certain passion that you already walk in the door with, right? More often than not, folks already have sort of that Porsche passion. Mm-hmm. For everybody else, they get it within the first couple of weeks. But, you know, just like some any of the best brands that are out there, you have to be very intentional in everything that you do, right? Some things you can teach, some things you can't teach. Um, I've often felt in contact centers, I, I can't necessarily teach people to care about other human beings. I have to hire for that, mm-hmm. right? I can teach you how to answer calls. I can teach you how to manipulate our systems, how to diagnose what's going on. I can't teach you to care about other human beings. That's a skill set that you have or you don't have. I think when it comes to the Porsche passion and delivering that, we realized that there were some opportunities to make sure that everybody is exuding it to everyone, right? Not just the end customer, but our internal customers as well. And so we felt the need within the last couple of years to create a program to kind of help us to, to guide that. And that's that's Excite. Is that that what you're is the Excite about? program. So in learning about Excite, yes. you know, it's this internal program you have about embodying and creating the culture to deliver this amazing experience. You you talk about common purpose, right? right. So I, you know, when when you talked about this idea of creating Porsche passion, right, by delivering a customer experience is as le- as legendary as the cars you build. Like so, you start with this very common purpose. Um, which is great, 
how do you then take that purpose and then translate that into actions and behaviors? I think it starts from the very beginning and the onset of the development of the program for sure, right? It's not like this was something that was done in a vacuum. It wasn't done in corporate. It wasn't done in a boardroom here. It was done by getting a mixture of all the right people from all the appropriate teams, right? We had the support from corporate. They were involved. We had executive leadership here. We had leadership from our dealerships involved, um, field personnel from our group here as well. And so we had to work as a team to be able to develop this program because I thought I think that's the only way we're actually going to get the buy-in that's necessary, right? It's a lot harder to get that buy-in if it's just somebody else's thought and idea when you know that it was brought together from all the right people kind of presenting all the different perspectives of what makes this company. That certainly helps. Um, and you have to have a you know that, that common purpose, right? There has to be that one point of in, that everyone is trying to point, get to at the end of the line. And... I know that there are some companies that when it comes to their, their mission statement, you know, their common purpose, um, they want everybody to be able to memorize it. Mm. It's, for us, it's more important that you just live it, right? And so if right. we went up to anybody and, and said, hey, what's our common purpose? If they don't know every word in here, we, you don't care. If, if we just say it's driving Porsche passion or creating Porsche passion, they get it. Yeah. They get yeah. it. So you have this program called Excite. You're in the pole position in all of these customer satisfaction awards, et cetera. Right. That wasn't necessarily always the case. It wasn't. Maybe 10, 12 years ago. Your it cars wasn't. were still legendary. They've always been legendary. And like, there's never been a change from that. But you shared a little bit with me. Maybe we can talk a little bit about it. Um, there were some challenges. What were the, what were the challenges? And, then, and, and, how, and how was Excite designed to, to change those? Like what, what, what was the thing you were trying to solve for when you rolled it out? Well, I think... You know, so you asked what we where we were. So about ten years ago, and one of our major indices for how are we doing as a brand, besides the sales results, if you will, is those JD Power Awards, right? And about ten years ago, we were twenty six out of thirty three brands in customer satisfaction index for, for cars, auto manufacturers, for luxury auto yeah. manufacturers, mm-hmm. right? Not good, right? Yeah, uh, we were fourteenth in uh, sales satisfaction. Not where you want to be. Right. And so, um, yeah, we knew that we were really, really good at building amazing vehicles. Right. And we're really, really good at processes and really, really good at procedures. But we were, st- we were lost focus on the customer. And I think that that was a, a, a gap that we realized was growing and growing and that we had to get control of that in order to get back to the performance and results that we wanted in the J.D. Power and, and how customers are viewing us. And, and it w- did you view it mostly as a behavioral thing, a cultural challenge? I mean, my guess is the resources were there to do things. You know, what were the blockers? What were the things that were holding you back? I don't know what, you, putting you at 26 out of 33 right. and you wanted to get to number one or number two. What was the common purpose? Yeah. Right, we just might not have had our you know sights set on the right visions at that time. Meaning, like everyone just thought, like, hey, look, if you deliver a great, if you build a great car, nothing else, it's, everything else is fine. It doesn't and, matter, and it, it's not the case. Actually, right. the rest of the experience needs to match it does. the quality of the car, the it does. vehicle, absolutely. Uh, and that was sort of this mindset shift of saying, hey, we need to sort of think about the experience around the vehicle. That's right. Right. Yeah. It's everything. It's everything about that whole experience. Right. From the, from you know, if we're just talking about the vehicles, it's from when I'm looking at it, considering it. Right. That whole buying cycle. Right. To the moment that I'm actually out shopping it or driving cars. To the moment I you know go through the delivery process and then take it home. How do you make that whole experience something yeah. you want to go and tell people about? Right. It's like what's an example of if you have one of. You know, you have this program, 
creating Porsche passion, delivering customer experiences as legendary as the cars you build, built on integrity, relationships, excitement, efficiency. How does that get translated at, I call that a store, at, at my, you know, a, a, a local store? Uh, and how that might be different from one store to the next? And how, like, how does from that... a Porsche perspective, the whole goal is that it's not. That regardless of whatever store you go into, you're still going to have that same culture. Right. And right now it's the Excite culture. We're training. We When we sent this out last year, we trained all the dealerships and all the dealership bodies. Okay. Right. So everyone that ta- in our business that's affiliated with us, whether you're in our building here in corporate headquarters, uh, if you're in the field for us, if you're in the dealerships, everybody went through this training. Uh, now we continue with more training. Uh, we continue to go back and retrain those that maybe didn't get it since the last time we sent it out. Uh, and we've put in a sustaining Excite program out there that our dealers are getting the opportunity to go to. It's all about, you know, just kind of staying within the guidelines. So in our program, we called it the drift circle, right? You can drift however you want. You can drift in as tight of a circle or as big of a circle as you like. Just stay within the boundaries of the circle. Let me, let me give a little more context on a drift circle. You come in, you're driving, you know, really, really fast. You come around and there's just like this cement circle and he just basically skids around it Correct. and then races out. So the idea with the drift circle is like it's not precise. And so you apply this idea of a drift circle to sort of how people then embody certain things. Is that the idea? To actually just deploy the program, right? So we're giving you, again, we're giving you all these tools. We're giving you the standards. We're giving you the behaviors that we're looking for, mm-hmm. right? You have to know how, to, how and when to deploy them. Right. And you can do it in any way that you want. Right, just stay within that circle. Stay within the drift. Stay circle. within the circle, right? And you know, you mentioned so you, you, you can do things slightly. You can you, you the the way you go through the drift circle might be a little different from one store to the next, but you're still within the circle. That's so right. you know it's part of that Porsche experience. That's right. And and the standards, you know, we they do have a priority. And as you mentioned, we have four standards of integrity, relationship, excitement, and efficiency. Does that mean that integrity is the most important and that efficiency is last? No, it just means that in the at the at the moment, at the moment that you're, you're that you're with a customer, mm-hmm. right? This is how we want you to think about which ones matter most. But that doesn't mean that there won't be times where maybe efficiency matters most, right? Maybe you've got a customer that that's made it very clear: this is what I want, when I want it, and when I need it done. Right? Is that really a good time to where relationship really needs to be the most important thing? Right? Probably not. Yeah. Right? And you understand that, and so you understand, but we, we need to care about efficiency at that point yeah. and start there. There's a great description in some of the information you've shared with us, which I think captures what you just described. A common purpose is the unifying service-oriented battle cry. I love battle cry. That defines the desired emotional connection between employees and customers. You don't usually think about a Porsche and thinking about emotional connection in the sense like like there's a physical connection, obviously. You're in the vehicle. You're like feeling it. But a lot of this purpose is around that emotional connection to the brand and a focus on that emotional connection, which is super, it's powerful. And you said something to me, which we've talked about. One of the very first times we met, I, I said, hey, what are your goals? And you said, you know, Joseph, I really don't care about the Porsche you just bought. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, how could you not care if I just bought a car? And you're like, I actually care about the next one. 
And that is really the part of the emotional connection desire, right? And, and, to, and to me, the, the timing behind a statement like that is, is that we're growing like we've never grown before in our history, mm-hmm. right? Our sales have grown astronomically. What does that mean? It means we don't have that same customer base that we used to have, right? There's that core base of customers that have been 9-11 fans since they were kids, and they're going to be 9-11 fans for the rest of their lives, and they're always going to either have them or want them. We've introduced new vehicles over the right. last 10, 15 years. We're getting a lot of customers that are coming over from other brands, and maybe this wasn't the aspirational brand for them as a child. This is just another luxury brand to them. Right, so thinking about like Macan or something like Cayman or something, which, you know, I don't know when, I don't remember exactly when they came out, but like 10 years ago, right. it was primarily like a 911 or, you know, something of that Correct. caliber versus now. And you have like, I, that makes a lot of sense. You're sort of diversifying, so you have to figure out how to create that connection while still delivering that legendary car experience. Correct. And our four door vehicles way, way outsell our two door vehicles. Is that right? Well. Oh, yes, absolutely. I had no idea. Yeah. And so, again, that's why it's so important to me. It's like, I, I, I'm so glad and thankful that we were able to win you over and, and at that point get you to come over from another brand. Now I want to keep you. I don't yeah. want to let you go back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, um, for me and for what our group does, if things do go awry, that's what's that's the motivator for my team. Yeah. Right? Um, for my, if you would, customer care group, by the time you're calling us, more often than not, now granted, we're an aspirational brand, so we get some interesting calls. Um, but when it comes to what you would typically call a customer service type call, where are you in that relationship with us by the time you have to call us? Mm-hmm. Right? There's either something going on with your relationship with your dealer or there's something going on with your relationship with the brand. And my team's job is to make that right. We don't want to own relationships with customers. That's not our job, right? We don't want you to call us all the time for anything good or bad. We, you know, it's our job to get you back into the hands of that good relationship you're supposed to have with our dealers. Yeah, that makes sense. You asked earlier, like, what do we do to help sustain this sort of environment in this culture? Well, one of them is, is you have to be good at storytelling, right? Storytelling mm-hmm. is a very, very powerful tool. Internal storytelling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we've made it a point to... Uh, solicit from folks when you have a great excite like story please tell us right we want to hear them and we want to share them because maybe that's going to inspire somebody else as well and also should keep you motivated you know as an employee to see what other people are doing in different facets of the company uh so for the contact center team we had one that came through recently um in my customer care group we also have an offline team um, that does some internal marketing services for us and one of the agents was just going through looking at some survey results, quite frankly. Oh, okay. It was a sales and satisfaction survey result. And she was just reading one of the verbatims, and the woman just remarked how she bought this 911 white convertible on the request of her recently deceased husband. Like, when I pass, I want you to buy this vehicle for yourself. And she saw that, and she's like, this is amazing. We've got to do something. So she went and talked to one of the folks that's actually on our call team, the on-the-phone team. And immediately there's just this scurry of activity that started to occur. Like, this is really cool. We have to honor this. And so um, they pulled together some some little things to help celebrate it. We found out by doing a little bit of research on the customer that he loved hats. So like Baseball hats. Baseball and- hats. And so um, we got kind of a little care package put together, and uh, including a baseball cap. And we sent it out to the customer who just absolutely loved it, wrote us back and said how she's leaving the baseball cap in the back of the car in her husband's memory. And, and, the, and the point was, when, in awesome. our note that we sent her was, like, this will help you think of your husband while you're driving that car he wanted you to have. Yeah, yeah. Those moments, you know, I always describe, I mean, that's, that's how you make customer service radically personal. And by the way, that can be, for the record, your radically personal moment sure. that you just shared, which I love. Okay. Great <laughs> yeah. Thank you.
Thanks, Portia and Jeff, for being radically personal and sharing how you're creating a legendary customer experience to go along with your legendary vehicles. You've set a clear vision with Excite for the entire customer experience, which extends from the C-suite to the dealership. Thanks for listening to this episode of Radically Personal. I'm Joseph Ancinelli, CEO of Gladly. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and rate it and visit us at radicallypersonal.com. See you next time.